Welcome to the Back to the Bricks podcast, a new podcast about sports, faith, and culture. I'm Justin. And I'm Nick. Close friends turn mid-major rivals. Join us as we venture back to the Bricks. Welcome back to the Bricks. We are coming back at you after a week off. Um, and Justin, I just want to let you know off the bat um, that we felt like last week with um, everything going on in the United States and um, just all the voices that were being displayed and and um, really given the first credence in a long time that the best thing we could do as two white dudes um, was to sit back and listen. Um, and and we're, not, we're not crazy enough to think we have a large audience and we know that for a fact, but we, but we also know that um, a way to, to sort of lead as a as an outlet is to um, go along with that so we very much wanted to take the week off and listen and try to really just let other people talk and um, that'll lead us kind of into talking a little bit about George Floyd and about the Black Lives Matter movement and things like that Um, we bill ourselves as sports and culture so especially at a time like this Justin we it we can't not talk about what's going on um in the wake of the, the Minneapolis uh, murder of George Floyd um, at the hands of police officers um, and, and the fallout of that, the, the peaceful protests, um, the everything, I guess, pe- people speaking out. And I think I, I want to start with why why I think this is different um, for, for me and you. Um, one, I think as teachers, we have a very different perspective on this. I think we, we inside the classroom when you see children, um, I had a conversation with someone uh, last week where I, where I was a little bit upset with something that they had they had said on social media, and I told them that when I think about George Floyd and when I think about all those names go down the list, Breonna Taylor, um, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor go down the list. I, I think of my students. I think of my ten year old students, and what are they growing up to become, and um, what are their chances, and what just what what's going to affect them, what's going to stand in their way as they grow up in the United States of America, and so. I think first as a teacher, I was just really heartbroken um, and very upset that a human life would be treated like that. Um, but then second of all, something that I think as a teacher you learn to do is to listen and that communication is so important. And so that's what I'm committing to do. And I know Justin's doing that as well is just listening. I come from a, I and Justin both come from a very predominantly white area um, at the suburb of Cincinnati. Um, which which is pretty white to begin with and in the Midwest as well. But I think regardless of where you grow up or where you live or what your experience is, now is a time to kind of check why is why is my initial response? What is my what is my initial response and why is it that way? So if you're thinking, you know, why when I see the the protests, right? And but there's looting. Yes, absolutely. That's evil. That should not be going on. Absolutely, but that does not take away from the 99.9% of peaceful protests that are going on. And so why is my first instinct to think of self-protection? And I think that's where I've seen myself and a lot of people fall is that when something like this happens and somebody else or another people group have the opportunity to um, be given more of a prominent voice and more and just actual space in the community and in the United States that my first reaction is how does that affect my standing? How does that affect how people view me and I think especially at this time what I what I'm really trying to learn and trying to lean into is just listening and trying to go back to when I see something when I hear something why do I feel the way that I do and and why does it make me feel a certain way and Justin I want to have you jump in there yeah the the biggest thing for me with all this is 
just don't believe everything or the first thing that you see on top of your Facebook feed or your Twitter feed or your Instagram feed or whatever feed you're looking at. Um, dig for yourself and do research for yourself and form your own opinion because the problem is um, we've we've all followed a majority for too long and we all have not had our own opinion, which is what puts us in the situation that we're in. And Nick and I don't have the same opinion and it's not the, I mean, that's, that's healthy, you know, but we do feel like human lives are being taken for no good reason and that um, is a problem. And so we don't want you to think that we're trying to make you see our opinion, but also we want you to see the, the root of the problem and form your own opinion from that. And so that's part of the reason why we took last week off. Um, because like Nick said, we had to listen and we had to form our opinions on it. And as um, a man who comes from a family filled with law enforcement officers, mm -hmm. um, it's been a hard couple of weeks for me to, to, to figuring out what my where I stand at on everything. But the, the one place I do stand is that human life has to be treated as valuable um, and in every life, no matter what, has to be treated as valuable. And so... Um, and right now, the people that are hurting and the people, the people who need us to love them, are are, are the are the black people of our country. And so that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm called to do. And that's that's what I'm going to do. So that's that's where I fall at all all of it. Nick, you said it very um, elegantly. And so um, I don't want to I don't want to say too many words to take away from what you said. But but that's that's my opinion on it. Yeah, I think I think I go back to to metaphors that that really help me. Um, I think sometimes when you try to put on somebody else's shoes or go, go through somebody else's circumstances, it's really hard to come out of it and not just think about how you would respond in your situation. Um, but just thinking through, and this is an analogy that's been, been said for a long time. It's in a Macklemore song from, from a few years back, but it talks about like all houses matter, right? But right now there are certain houses that are on fire and there are certain houses that aren't. And to, to, to show up as the firefighter squad and to, you know, blow massive amounts of water onto a house that's not on fire it just doesn't make sense right now and by saying we need to put water on the house that's on fire is not by any means saying that the other houses don't matter and i think and i think what's what's really hard is that j just when you're in the majority like the two of us it's it's just hard to see a different perspective and it's it's hard to say yes i've gone through tough things and terrible things in these different circumstances but i started three laps in to this race it's a four lap race and i started three laps in you know that's that's a completely different ball game and so i think i would just encourage um anyone listening or watching to to really just think through one what can i do to listen this week what can i do to even put more um, black voices in front of me i think something that's what i learned that last week on blackout tuesday of yeah, I have a lot of friends who were with the movement for Black Lives Matter, but I just don't consume a lot of black lives on a daily basis through social media. And maybe that's something that you can do is go follow some black, some black people, some black voices, some black creators, you know, things like that. Leaders, leaders in social media, leaders in the world. And that way you start to, on a daily basis, see things differently. You start to hear different stories. And I think that's, that's just a little step, but starting to listen and putting yourself in a place where you can continually listen, um, I think makes a big difference. And there's just one more thing I want to say, and then we'll, we'll move on to the sports aspect of this, Justin. But I think one thing that's really struck me um, as a Christ follower is the metaphor of this not being a, um, a mission trip moment. 
this not being a moment where for a week or two um, there's protests going on. And so I care about it and I care about hashtag Black Lives Matter and those things. But then in three weeks from now, all I care about is my own life again. And so I think that's what's important is making sure that I'm doing something as well as listening, but I'm actually taking action steps that put me in a place where three weeks from now when potentially it's a little bit less in the news, which it may not be. But even if it is at that point, I've already taken a few steps to make sure that I'm different than 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 I was before George Floyd was was murdered in Minnesota. So I, I think with those things said, um, as that continues to weigh heavy on our hearts and, and the United States, we've seen sort of some sort of fallout in different sports, Justin. Um, and, and you can start us there with Dabo Sweeney. Um, but your beloved Clemson coach um, has been involved in some things this week. And I think it's definitely worth discussing. Yeah, before we jump in the Dabo, um, just real quick, Atticus Finch says it best out of uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, which our sophomores read every year, and I read when I was a sophomore, and I think every sophomore for a long time has read it. Um, you can't know what a man goes through until you get in his skin. Atticus Finch is telling Scout that on their front porch um, in a book written a long time ago, and it still right. applies today. So that's if, if anything else – Atticus has been a uh, longtime figure in our country and for a lot of people. So there you go. Listen to, listen to Atticus Finch's words. So, yeah, my man Dabo is uh, in the news again. We've talked about Dabo a lot on our, mm-hmm. on our uh, podcast here. So he's in some hot water, Nick. Um, some, uh, some, some players are saying assistant coach um, used some racial slurs um, towards, towards some players. Um, and then Dabo is, is, is walking around wearing a Football matter shirt this week, um, which goes back to when we talked about him earlier, about all the, ho- the whole COVID thing and him, him downplaying that with, with where America kind of thing. So it kind of plays into that. So, Nick, where are you at on Dabo and all this, this thing, and what's, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I, I want to start with um, the shirt, the Football matter shirt. I think at, the, at best it's really, really tone deaf. Um, and I th- and I understand that it. I don't think the shirt is by any stretch um, a shot at the Black Lives Matter movement or even an all, or at All Lives Matter at anything. But regardless, there's some there's some sort of um, reading the room that needs to go on there. I think you know you're a person that's going to be photographed everywhere you go. You know that's just not a smart decision. But two, I think some, something that's really hit me this week is Davo's a culture guy, and if it's really culture, then there's an issue in his culture. So if he's really developing a culture that's supposed to produce these uh, young men into you know leaders and NFL stars, then I think he needs to change the culture. And I think he needs to be willing to say, I was wrong. Maybe I didn't get the full story a few years ago when this happened with a player. Um, and and I, I think what's interesting here is that I think you see sometimes the player and the assistant coach kind of made up. And they were like, okay, we're going to move on. But I don't think that 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 should change the way that the head coach responds. I think the head coach is still responsible. And I mean, you can go back and look at NCAA violations at, you know, my school, and you can look at that and see the coach is responsible at some point. But I I just, I don't understand with Dabo right now, because to me, he's just coming off really tone deaf and it's, it's making me trust him less and less. Yeah. I, as a coach, um, as somebody who knows a lot of head coaches, um, not at the not at the scale of Dabo, but but still, um, I my personal belief is you always have to hold your assistant coaches more accountable than you hold your players. And if you don't, if, if your players don't see that, 
then what is going to make them believe that they that they have a, that they need to be held accountable you know and so that's uh that's something that kind of I don't know made me made me sad made me upset about Dabo um just cuz just cuz of what he says and what he preaches and all that kind of stuff um and if that happens obviously um programs and stuff a lot of times more in football than than other sports take care of reconciliation inside the the four walls there mm-hmm. um which has ran into problems before before this not just for Clemson but for a lot of different programs a lot of different teams um it's something that seems to go with the football culture um the the locker room you know all that kind of stuff um which I get it um but but today's a different day and age than than what it was a long time ago when the locker room was made and so um, stuff that happens, yeah, it can get it can get fixed inside. Um, but you know, how many times is a is a player going to look at a coach and tell them, I, "I don't accept your apology," kind of thing? You know, that's a that's a hard place for a player to be. And so, um, luckily, I mean, I've never had to be there, um, but I, I I could just think as a player how hard that would be to look at an assistant coach and say, "No, I don't I don't accept your apology." And so, um, that's something that we definitely have to look at more is making sure coaches are held accountable if we're going to hold players accountable to a high standard thing there yeah absolutely i think that's a that's a structure of power there like like you're talking about as a player what if you say something to the assistant coach what if you say something to Dabo? you might lose you know you might lose playing time you might lose your spot i mean at the end of the day we'd like to think it doesn't boil down to that um but it reminds me of what we've talked about with the COVID 19 right we're going to play football and it's because of money it is what it is right whether or not it's healthy to play football, we're going to play football. And so that's kind of where, where I go here is, I mean, there's a next man up. Like, we can, you can ride the bench, especially at a program like Clemson, four or five star behind you in most positions, if not two behind you. You know, like, you, we don't need you, son. Like, we've got, you know, we've got 80 guys, you know. And so I think that's, what, that's what's really hard. And I think, I don't know, it's just really hard for me um, because I think Dabo says a lot of things um, that – that I like, but your actions and especially what your players say about you, you know, your, your students say about you, same thing. Um, it tells me a lot more. That's who I'm going to ask. I'm not going to ask, you know, parents or, or, well, in this case, parents in the classroom is, is what I'm thinking, but I would ask the students. That's what I would ask. I'd ask the students their honest opinion. That tells me everything. And so I think I would like to hear more Clemson players speak out and given the platform to do that. Um, but I don't know, that kind of reminds me of the Iowa situation. Um, with uh, Coach Ferentz, and now players are allowed to be on social media for the first time, and I don't know that that really sent me for a loop hearing that Justin of there's some some allegations of their strength coach. She's the highest strength coach, highest paid strength coach in the nation, is my understanding. Makes three quarters of a million dollars a year. Been there for over 20 years, and now players left and right are saying, "Hey, he's treated me this way. He's called me these slurs," and just now, current players are given a platform to speak about it. I just don't know what to do with that. Well, it's it's kind of like the Me Too movement. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, um, so many people are like, well, if this had really happened, you would have spoke out 20 mm-hmm. years ago. Like, no, that that takes courage and that takes bravery and it takes a lot of um, self-love, I guess is what you could say, to speak out in those ways. And same with these players. Like, it's hard, it's hard to be a player in the moment and say those things um, with a guy that's so well-respected not only at Iowa, but in the profession. And so when when that first player has um, 
the bravery to step out and say that, it makes it easier for the next guy and the next guy and the next guy. And so that's something that we have to understand is that just because it didn't come out 20 years ago doesn't mean they didn't happen. It just means it's really hard for people to, to, to step out and say those things against somebody who's so well-respected. And so speaking of somebody who is um, bucking the system a little bit, um, Bubba Wallace in NASCAR. Um, wow, is all I can say first off. But the, the things that are happening in that, in that sport, yes, it's a sport. Um, even though I watched it last night for about five laps and about fell asleep. Um, but, you know, um, the amazing things that he's doing there, um, the car that he drove, um, the video that him and Jimmy Johnson and all those guys made, um, and, and really taking a stand against, and NASCAR itself, taking a stand against something that's, that's really strong um, in the sport. Look, this, the sport is mostly done in the South, um, it is what it is. It's mostly done in the South. That's that's NASCAR. That's they can drive there year round. Not have to worry about weather. Not have to worry about any of that. And so taking a stand against against what they have and and doing those things is extremely um, brave and extremely not towards money is what I would say, um, which is something we don't see from a lot of from a lot of sports. And so Nick, what's your thoughts on what's going on in NASCAR right now? Yeah, I think I, I'm just amazed. You know, Bubba shares what he's going to have what his car's design is going to look like his paint job's going to look like he basically calls nascar to respond and a day later they they ban confederate flags at all events um and, and i think it just reminds me of as a social studies teacher as someone who's who's trying to learn more about our past to inform our future that just because something has existed doesn't mean it was ever correct or that it was ever okay or that it was ever moral and I think you're seeing this with, you know, statues in certain places of Confederate generals and things like that. And you can get into a whole other argument about, you know, why we would have statues of people who lost. And that's a different argument. It's a yeah, little I was going to say, um, I have been against Confederate flag and, and all that stuff for a long time. Um, and I won't bore everybody on here, but my own personal beliefs on all that is, is the same as we don't ever glorify losers in this country, yet we do it there. But if you ever want to reach out to me um, and ask me about that or talk about that, more than welcome. At Clemens10 on Twitter, um, reach out whenever you want. My direct messages are open. So that's Nick. Sorry, I'll give it back to you. No, absolutely. I just, I guess what I'm seeing, um, and I think with our generation and the generation already behind us, um, it's a little different. Um, and we're willing to, to come with an open hand and say, okay, what's the truth? Let's learn more about it. Let's find out the truth. Then let's make a decision. Um, and I, I personally, in, in several areas of my life, don't want to be in a position 40 years down the road where because I believed this when I was 20, this must be the truth or this must be the way we must do this as a society. And so I think, especially in this area, you know, good on NASCAR. That's absolutely brave. Fantastic. It's the, it's the right thing to do, and they're doing it, and it's going to cost them money, and it's probably going to cost them sponsorship. It's going to cost them potentially future drivers, uh, you know, fans for sure, you know, but I think they're going to see some other companies probably step up and increase their sponsorship of, of the NASCAR brand, I would think, as a, in support, but I, I, I think it's very brave of them, but I think it just, go, like I was saying, you know, just because it's, it's been there doesn't mean it's the right thing. And so I think this is a great example of realizing it, 
a moment has happened in in the United States where it's a time to reevaluate certain things, and it helps us to look at it in a fresh perspective. This is a great example of that. Good job, NASCAR. Absolutely. So NASCAR's back. They've been back. And so speaking of um, sports that are coming back, we'll move into the sports side of things here. So um, if I had a roast of the week and a funniest thing of the week, I would give them both to baseball because baseball here's your chance to play the nba is not coming back until july 31st nascar is a niche sport pga is a niche sport mls is a niche sport right now in this country major league baseball everybody i know has a team even if they don't watch it they have a team that they watch and they actively keep up with them and mlb is just um dropping the ball is what I'll say, um, on coming back and on doing those things. And, look, I'll be the first to say it. I am all for players getting their money. These guys put their bodies on the line and all this stuff um, for our enjoyment. And so um, I will not yell at the players for that because if they want to get their money and they want to get all these benefits that they um, deserve, then they should fight for that. Um, But the fact that Major League Baseball can't figure out how to get a season is – crazy to me absolutely absolutely i think i think it just shows you like how unwilling both sides are you know and i think i think you're right i think i think the players deserve to be paid one i think the players do want to play too but they're also savvy enough to know that they're in a situation that's unlike any other and a season won't happen like this again and so they're going to wait until they get what they want. And you know what? Kudos to them. I think that's what they should do. They're professional athletes. It's their career. It's your family. I mean, I think you jump over to talking about the MLS, Justin. The MLS comes up with a, a really cool, from the onset, design tourney of 20, all 2016, 26 teams, excuse me, playing at the Disney Complex in Orlando. But then you think about it. I was talking to my brother-in-law yesterday about it, and he said, well, what about the families, right? If we're going to quarantine our teams, then that means the families are going to be without their players for six weeks. So so from the business standpoint, from the viewership standpoint on TV, great. Love it. They're going to play a bunch of soccer games. It's going to be like a mini World Cup. But from a personal, as a, as a player, as a family member standpoint, I don't think it's going to be nearly as great. And I think that maybe that's something that the MLB players are thinking through is how can we do this in the best way, not just to make our money, but to make sure that we're done, done, um, well too as well the frustrating thing is too this is the year that the reds were actually going to be good again and we're we can't make this happen like that's just frustrating to me we're not going to be able to win uh <laughs> 60 games any way you cut it at this point so. correct correct so. so uh college football um some of them came back to campus last week we know Louisville did um we know i know alabama did um, Notre Dame's coming back soon. You know, some of those, some of those schools, well, probably a lot of them are back now. Um, and with that being said, players are coming back um, and testing positive um, asymptomatically, which, depending on the study you read right now, um, it makes your opinion of that. But they're testing positive, um, and I don't know what every school's guidelines are on positive tests. Um, but what are your thoughts on? all these players coming back, getting college football players back and, and them testing positive and how that should be approached um, and how it is being approached and how it affects college football. 
I think I'm for for a hundred percent accountability in this area too. I think that's just going to be my word for the week is accountability. And I love what to just kind of pop around and I'll come back to it. But the PGA today released that every single player and every single caddy at Colonial this weekend tested negative, hundred percent. They just released everybody. Now, would they have done that if they were positive? Probably not. They would have done it differently as a PR move. But my point is, universities, football programs need to be very transparent, very upfront. These amount of players have it this week. Here's what we're going to do to, to fix the problem. Here's what we're going to do in response. Now, I'm not asking for you to say Trevor Lawrence, quarterback, Clemson, has COVID-19. I don't want an alert every five minutes. And I don't think that's – I mean, there's a lot of laws there that – that wouldn't HIPAA. work with that. Yeah, HIPAA would be all over that. But but there needs to be transparency because, and I heard this on another podcast this week, it's one thing when it's right now, Justin, and it's preseason, but when it's the Iron Bowl week, is Alabama going to actually change their protocol or Auburn going to actually change the protocol if they have a few players test positive? If the quarterback, if Bo Nix for Auburn tests positive Iron Bowl week and he's been fine all year, are they really going to tell anybody? Is it really going to change that? You know, and so I, I think just an, it really makes me think, is this another thing where we're going to say one thing, it's lip service, and then in, in reality we're going to do another thing behind the behind closed doors? I think it's everything um, that college football is. As much as we love it, that's what it is. I mean, look at uh, I mean the Reggie Bush thing. He gets to come back because mm-hmm. they found a loophole in it where he – after 10 years, the like what you call it runs out for him not being associated with USC. And so now they get to bring him back and with him, they're going to make a bunch of money because it's one of the best players in USC history. And so all that kind of stuff. So if there's a way to find it, um, they're going to find it and they're going to figure out how to get around it and all those kind of things. And this situation is, is no different um, in my opinion. And you brought it up. Our sports back, Nick. PGA is back. Our guy Jordy is on the course right now as we speak. He hit a he hit a 96-yard shot to about four feet before I came. I, I got on here, which got me excited. But but how great is it to have um, pro golf back? I mean, it's fantastic. And I think you saw it a couple weeks ago. There were a couple different events that they did. The Taylor Made special to raise money for COVID-19 relief, as well as the the Phil Tiger rematch from last year with match. Peyton, and, Peyton and Brady rolled in there for fun um you you see guys that are understanding the moment and you see guys that are saying you know like you see the amount of players at colonial this week normally you don't see anything like this at this event this is usually kind of an off event it's not you know it's not on the major list it's not really on it's not on tiger's list those kind of things but you're seeing a much much more guys understand the moment understand the opportunity to play a sport um and i and i again you're seeing players take the opportunity to speak out. Uh, one of the things that the PGA did this week, or I guess CBS did this week, is they set up this kind of camera on the range, and, and players and their and caddies can just walk up and do a little 30-second soundbite and say whatever they want, and then they'll air it. And already several guys have used it as an opportunity to thank frontline workers, to thank police officers, to to encourage people who are protesting, to encourage the Black Lives Matter movement. And so I think I've seen it at least in, at least initially as one a great thing to watch, and yes, I understand that some people struggle to watch golf, but right now I'm taking anything. And two, I think it's a it's a great opportunity for athletes, even like Bubba Wallace and NASCAR, to reevaluate how can I use the platform that I have when we go back to sports. And I think you're seeing that, and that's encouraging to me because I think 
and that, that goes back to the Dabo Sweeney thing. Something that really invigorates people who are tone deaf is when somebody of high prominence, like a football coach, gives it no space. And so I think that's, that's why I'm encouraged by what's going on with the PGA players. Yeah, I just like having something entertaining that I personally like seeing on TV back, and so that's, that's exciting for me. So um, we know we took you a little different angle today, but the moment um, required that, and if, if we hadn't said anything, if we hadn't, then that would be tone deaf on our part, speaking of tone deaf. And so um, we, we encourage you to, like I said earlier, you know, gather your own opinion, look up things, do some digging yourself, make sure that you – you come up with things yourself, and and uh, we and, and as a country, we have to get better. I think that's what we can all agree on. Um, we have to get better, no matter what. So, so Nick, any closing thoughts on anything? Yeah, I think everything that you said, I just want to echo. And um, I think, as usual, um, during this crazy season of COVID nineteen, as well as what's going on um, with social and um, racial unjust injustice, and just unrest in the country um be with those that are that are your family you know love on people well um listen take the time to just listen um and like justin said feel free feel free to reach out to people who don't agree with you um and uh, we we are both included in that um personally would love to have conversations with you about why we've gone to where we've gone why we think the way we do now and maybe even why we're reacting differently than we did a few years ago to things like this um but I, I think it's it's super important to love people well, love people in your circle well, um, but allow yourself the space to think differently, to be in the shoes of somebody who thinks differently than you, and to just be open um, about being wrong. And I think the most dangerous thing you can do at any point in your life and in any space is to not allow yourself to be wrong. With that said, um, thank you for tuning in, and we'll catch you back on the bricks next time. Thank you for listening to the Back to the Bricks podcast. We'd love for you to leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts, send this podcast to a friend, or share this episode on your Instagram story. We'll see you back on the Bricks next time.